When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We need more dogs. Cats at dogs this week. Let's get into Kentucky and Georgia. Let's talk about what Kirby Smart said about the SEC. Everybody else is. And let's take a look at what Kentucky brings between the hedges. They got a heck of a roster. These ain't your granddaddy's wildcats, as Jake Rowe says. Let's get into the Georgia show. Time to hunker down. Better never rest. It is a wonderful time to be alive, even if the dogs are just barely winning these days. It's Palmer Toms. It's Jake Rowe on the Georgia Show tonight. I'm Wes Blankenship. Let's talk about this uh, sucker line, Jake Rowe, 14 and a half points. You had some breakdowns over at dogshq.com about how physical the cats are, but I kind of like where your head's at, thinking maybe Vegas knows something that we don't. Man, it opened at 19, and I just – Tell you what, I, I think I've been kind of in tune with sucker lines since like 2011, Georgia Auburn. And um, I remember going into that week. I've never been a big sports better. Uh, one of the, I think the only college football bet I've ever actually placed. Um, I won a parlay uh, with a with a little uh, private bookie, and and the bookie did not pay up. Um, I should have went in there and kneecapped some people. Palmer knows this guy. Um, so uh, conveniently, Kentucky week last week. Last yeah, year. it was. It actually was. I had I had I had what I called the Brett Thorson parlay going. I bet two underdogs and two unders, um, and hit on all four of them. Um, and it was awesome. I, I can't remember what it paid out. I think it was ten and a half to one or something like that. But you'll uh, see that guy. It was on Instagram. Some guy put like a fifteen dollar bet down and hit like a. 50, a 15 parlay and won like six digits on it. It was sick. Oh man, that would be, a, that would be incredible. That's some stuff I need to do, but yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's, it's that easy. I've kind of been in, I've kind of always looked for sucker lines because um, I had a, I had a good friend that year that was really into betting, really into sports betting. And um, he told me, he was like, man, this is a sucker line. If I've ever seen one, I think Georgia was favored by like 17 and that wasn't a, I mean, it wasn't a, it was a SEC championship game, Georgia team, but a very inconsistent Georgia team. And Auburn was supposed to have a good one. And I mean, they rolled into town and Georgia just beat their socks off. I mean, just beat them to death. And um, since then, I've always kind of looked at the line to where, oh, that looks like easy money, sucker, you know? And, um, that's that's what this one feels like, and you know, listen, I, I, I honestly I can't I honestly can't say that anytime I've ever really got that feeling, it's been wrong. Um, I really can't. Like, I mean, it's but at the same time, like, you know, maybe, maybe that's that tells you what you need to know about this game because it's bound to be wrong at some point. But that's the first thought I had was this looks like this looks like cheese to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm following your lead on that, and I, I'm just. My eyes don't deceive me with Georgia getting better each week. I know they struggled at Auburn, but it's such a thin line. Like the margin is so thin with the like the interception that uh, Beck had, 
early on in the game and then um, Delps fumble, like you don't do those two things. And credit to Auburn, I mean, they made plays on them. But you don't do those two things, then it's an easy win for Georgia. So I don't know. The tape doesn't lie to me. And I know it's it's frustrating to see Georgia kind of scuffle a little bit and, and take a, a little bit of time to start to get into these games. But I won't be surprised if that happens just for that reason. But the tape doesn't lie on Kentucky. And you spend a lot of time watching the Wildcats, Jake mm-hmm. Rowe. They're a physical bunch. They are. They are, and um, you know, the listen. I I want to give them all the credit in the world because they took the fight to Florida. Now I, I I'm going to say I said this on the board order today. I, I have a hard time calling guys soft that could just beat the piss out of me. Okay, like I mean, you know, take Florida's edge. Um, their number six cornerback. I don't care. He's probably going to wear me out in a fight. All right, <laughs> so I don't want to sit there and call them soft. Hey, you're but not as, trying to be that Ole Miss fan on the field talking to the LSU player. Yeah, yeah, I ain't, I ain't trying to get none of that smoke, okay? But compared to the team wearing blue on Saturday, um, the one wearing blue and white and no orange, um, Florida was just manhandled. And it was it was edge players basically running away from blocks. It was safeties kind of walk, you know, jogging up to the run fit so that they didn't have to get in there. I mean, they they were they played a little scared of Ray Davis. They played a little scared of Kentucky's offensive line. And uh, listen, I know there are some hardcore Georgia fans out there that are emotional about it being close to Auburn who want to say Georgia wasn't physical with Auburn either. That's not true. Um, but ultimately, Georgia Georgia fits against the run. Um, you know, Georgia takes on blocks. Georgia's not going to turn those down. And uh, I'm interested to see kind of how that works in their favor, especially, you know, we'll get into some of the matchup stuff and and talk about some of the stuff later on. But, you know, Barry and Brown, um, big-time prospect. Uh, I believe he's from right there in Nashville, isn't he, Palmer? Yeah, Pearl County High School. Yeah, from, from uh, you know, Nashville. Um, gave Georgia some trouble last year. Um, don't really know – what his status is going to be for this week. Don't think he's getting much practice if he is able to play. Um, you know, so I, I, I just well, – I and, think Jordan some- Robinson, the one, the, one of their other receivers, their other leading receiver with 19 catches, also questionable. Um, yeah. Learned that today talking to um, Nick Roush over at uh, KSR. Yeah, so, you know, I mean – Everybody's dinged up this time of year. It's that it's that point of year where everybody's begging for the bye week, and uh, Georgia just happens to kind of be getting just a little healthier. So, um, return home night game, crowd should be into it. Uh, you know, uh, early early Wednesday lean here. I like Georgia, and um, I, I kind of like where Georgia's got to be right now in their headspace. Because I told Palmer after the Auburn game, I said years ago I kind of had this, you know, found this pattern that it was like, all right, you know, after a team loses and they get to come back home. You know, one of the you know one of the big ones under Kirby was the 2016 uh, Tennessee game, when uh, Tennessee was supposed to be really good, and I believe they came into Athens as like seven or eight point favorites, and uh, Georgia Georgia outplayed them. I mean, should have beat them, got beat by hail mary. When a team loses and they come back home, it's tough to beat on them. Well, Georgia, we'll see if this close loss, Georgia kind of takes that. The close win, sorry, Georgia takes it the same way and comes home and, and fights like mad too. Well, and. And you used it last week with the case of Auburn and, and the fact that, you know, how good that they played. Um, so, you know, I, I think in terms of the physicality of this game, Georgia typically matches the physicality of their opponents, whether that's up or down. Um, and this is one that they know 
you know, how physical it's going to be. This is a game that Kirby Smart always says, you know, ask any of our players, pro day, interviews, combine, the guys that are leaving the program, they always will put this Kentucky game right up there um, as one that they're the most sore after. So, you know, the, the way that Kentucky plays so similarly to Georgia, um, you know, Georgia will likes to match that. Um, and, and I think it matches up really well for, for UGA. Wes, you're muted. I think I've done that like two shows in a row now. <laughs> that is uncharacteristic of me. Uh, one more thing on that, though. I felt like Florida tried to do that, and they couldn't do it. And Georgia can do it because they've, you know, that's what they're built on. But if they don't match up with Kentucky, like blow for blow on that, then there could be some moments in the game that get pretty ugly. I want to put a pin in that and get back to something that uh, you two guys did talk about after Auburn, another conversation y'all had about this team. But let's get a, our shout out to Prize Picks right here. We spoke with the people at Prize Picks, and it's too early in the week to get Georgia picks in when we do this um. on Wednesday. So moving forward, this will be the last show that we have where we don't have any Georgia picks and Prize Picks. So tonight we're going to take one last stab at looking at the rest of college football, making a few picks and prize picks. If y'all haven't checked them out yet, it's a fun game that you play. You just go and look at their stat line that they've projected for different players around the game, and you either look at it and say, oh, they're, they're either going to go over what prize picks is projected or they're going to go under. It's pretty, uh, pretty simple, pretty easy to do. Tonight we'll make a few picks, and then next week what we're going to do, we're going to come into this show – with some Georgia projections that we made for the Kentucky game. And we're going to tell you how we did. We're actually going to have to keep ourselves honest. We haven't had to do that yet. But tonight, let's look at uh, a few games from around the country this week. Some big ones outside of Athens as well. Let's start with uh, let's start with rush yards here, guys. Um, anything jumping off the page for you? I think Ohio State taking on Maryland. Travion Henderson, maybe a, a, a sexy one there. I don't know if y'all can see this screen. That's probably bad producing on my part. But let's look. Um, what do we have? Travion Henderson over 78.5 against Maryland. If y'all don't want to pick that, don't feel like you have to. We can go pass yards. All right, let's 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 go to the Red River, whatever they're calling it. Quinn Ewers, over 293.5 passing yards against Oklahoma or under that. God, that's a lot of yards. It is um, a lot of yards. That's why I picked it because I don't I don't like it. Sucker bet. Um, I, yeah, I'm take. I'll take the under on that. I, I don't feel great about it, but I'll take the under. Palmer, you feel good about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've got another one in that game that I'm looking at as well. Um, if we want to, uh, receiving yards. Um, we said there'd be no Georgia picks. Well, this is a former Georgia pick. Ad Mitchell, sixty-six and a half. We're doing all Texas. Yep. Give me, give me more there. I, I like him to have a big game. Had a big game against Alabama. Big game last week. Ad Mitchell. Big Rice. game. Ad. Man, he shows up in big games, doesn't he? Big game. Ad. Damn good dog right there, right? Uh, I want to mention too. If you follow the link to Prize Picks that we'll put in the show after this broadcast ends, uh, if you're watching live, if you're listening on a replay on podcast or uh, on YouTube here, we'll have a link. And if you follow that link you will be able to put in up to 100 bucks, and prize picks will match that for your uh, account. So that's a pretty good incentive to join up. It's up to 100. You don't have to put 100. You can put five in, and they'll match five if you want to play this game. So it's pretty fun. All right, so uh, receiving yards, AD, more than 66 and a half. I like that too. 
Passing touchdowns, no, no thank you. Rushing touchdowns. Syracuse, not going to touch that. Interceptions, <laughs> Quinn Ewers again. All right, let's let's go on the other side of that on that of that game. Dylan Gabriel, more than half an interception or less. Oh man, I'm leaning towards more. I yeah. lean more as well. Tip ball. He's not a big guy. Tip ball. All right. So we got three picks in here. Quinn Ewers less than two hundred ninety-three and a half. AD over sixty-six and a half. And Dylan's going to throw a pick. We're not going to do a power play. I don't want to. I don't want to mess with that. Let's just do a flex play here. We'll put twenty down and see how it goes. Y'all check out Prize Picks at that link that will be in the show. And you put in up to hundred bucks, they'll match it. Have fun. Good luck. All right, y'all were talking on the way home from Auburn about a pretty uh, interesting hypothetical here. With this Georgia offense, we talked about how much Georgia loves Brock Bowers. Everyone on this show loves Brock Bowers other than the Kentucky fans that are hanging out with us tonight. Would you rather have Darnell Washington back in this offense or would you rather have Kenny McIntosh back in this offense? My first... So my first thought on this was a no-brainer. It's still the same pick, but it's not as, you know, I think Georgia fans, and listen, I'm a big Darnell Washington guy, and I think Georgia fans romanticize him just a little bit. I think they kind of puff him up. Um, Darnell's a great player. I think he changed some things for a lot of for a lot of guys. You can't, you can't make me take a 1,300-yard guy. I mean, this is a guy who basically accounted for like 80, 85 yards a game easy for Georgia last year. Uh, 1,300-yard guy like Kenny McIntosh out of the office. I, thought, I want to say it's 1,330 or 1,370. Um, he changes things. I, I think one. I think a bigger threat, bigger thing that Georgia is missing right now than Darnell Washington's blocking, because let me tell you something, the the Mike Bobo screen game, 7.7 7 yards per catch, for yards per attempt. The Todd Munkin screen game, 6.3 yards per attempt. All right, just, just a little stat there. So when Carson Beck throws the screens, it's 7.7 .7 an attempt. When Stetson Bennett threw it last year, it was 6.3. You know, that to me, you know, makes the kind of the, the myth that Georgia's perimeter blocking is atrocious um, and it misses Darnell Washington that way. I think that digs into that a little bit. Now, I, I, I would take, you know, I would take Washington back if you offered him. I'm not saying I'd turn it down. Um, but I would say, I would say Kenny McIntosh without a question would be the guy I'd bring back. 1300 yard guy, um, you know, big plays in the passing game with the tunnel screens and the, and the stuff he can do for you there. Um, you know, I, I, listen, if you honestly, honestly, if you look at it, 7.7 .7 without a Kenny McIntosh, without really a running back doing a whole lot for you in that way. Um, I think Georgia would be a lot more lethal with Kenny McIntosh. 1333 there for McIntosh last year. I'm going with uh, the chat here, and uh, I, I'm agreeing with uh, Walk Washington as your guy um, because, you know, I, I think that the way that he opens things up um, with the struggles that Georgia has had running the ball, um, you know, whoever's in the backfield, you know, I, I just obviously – you'd love to have an extra running back in there it just, you know, in terms of a body, uh, you know, a capable running back it, like Kenny, but with the guys that you've got and, and, you know, how limited that you are having a guy like Darnell to pave the way would be big for me. And I think he would open up the passing game too, because um, 
you know, like like Uncle Glenn says, Macintosh doesn't get the that kind of yardage on on some of those screens without Washington. And I don't know that Ladd would either. You know, just how good of a blocker he has he was. Um, you know, I, I, I've been really impressed with Ernest Green and his ability to block in space. But, you know, if you're able to combo those two and, you know, open doors for Brock Bowers or, or Lab McConkey or, you know, Dylan Bell, uh, you know, Makai Muse, Dominic Lovett, there's a lot of guys. Georgia has shown that they will throw that screen without, Dom, without Darnell Washington. Just imagine if Darnell Washington was in place of Oscar Delp and he was the one blocking for them. Yeah. So the counterpoint here, Georgia's averaging a yard and a half more per screen pass than they were last year. So, but is that because of? I mean, I don't. I, I think that's more because of the players that they've got on the receiving end than it is the blocking that they've had. My point is that they're just not missing. I don't think they're missing Bowers and I mean uh, uh, Washington as much on the perimeter as maybe we think, you know, I do think they do miss him in the run game. They're missing him in that outside zone and, and run game. I, type uh, yeah. They don't run a whole lot of outside zone, but I mean, I do think they're missing him in the run game. Some, yeah, I, I do think that, but I think Kenny McIntosh would, would, would open some things. I mean, it's, it's definitely a good debate. I mean, I wouldn't have brought it up um, when we were driving, if it wasn't worth talking about. And I, I definitely, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a big Darnell Washington guy. I think it's great. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, you've got right now, um, you know, as your quarterback and your offensive coordinator are kind of coming together, I think Bobo's doing a really good job, um, especially these last two or three weeks, um, you know, kind of figuring it out and getting it going um, as, you know, kind of dealing with Beck, who, who starts slow. I mean, that's just all there is to it, um, you know, and, and I think he's got to get that fixed. I think a guy that would help him out a lot there is is a guy like Kenny McIntosh who you can just kind of raise up, get it to – automatic six, automatic seven yards and make it happen. It is a great debate. It is. And I, I think when you look at where Georgia is right now, it it's hard for me not to pick Washington just because of the physicality at on the line of scrimmage and seeing how big he is and seeing how he could dominate everybody. And Georgia's missing domination a lot of times consistently. And Darnell was consistently dominant. And the running back, you know, the backfield – maybe getting a little bit more healthy. Maybe Kendall Milton is back this week. If he's back, you know, I, I got a gut feeling that that guy's going to have a big game because I saw him have a big game against Kentucky last year, and maybe that's just my human error and recency bias against Kentucky. But I feel like as you're getting more healthy in the backfield, you're still going to need some help up front, and that's why Darnell's appealing to me. But I definitely hear what, what Stacy's saying here. Kenny's burst out of the backfield. He didn't need the best offensive line. Maybe he didn't, but he had, he had a pretty good one. Yeah, uh, but yes, his. Burst and the thing was is, you special, can't. And you he can't was a huge lean part on of the offense, a home run hitter. So it's a great yeah. debate, and I think you know we're giving a lot of credit to Brock Bowers. Let's say Georgia doesn't three peat. Maybe Darnell Washington was a pretty important key to that. Uh, saying that facetiously, but sure. it, it is a great debate, guys. And I know Georgia fans would love to have both of them back, but we'll <laughs> see what happens this week against Kentucky. Are we hearing anything on Kendall Milton this week? Sounds like he, you know, Kirby's comments on Monday made it sound like, you know, he's healthy, but they're trying to get him in shape. Uh, one of the things, though, about that debate that I think makes it so interesting is you can't really lean on, well, we're short at tailback or we're short at tight end, is you're short at both. 
I mean, you're kind of thin at both yeah. positions right now. So, you know, that's the one thing. Yeah, hey, you know, we need tailbacks more. We need you need tight ends more. That's one of the things that really got me thinking about it because I was I was having the debate in my mind, and I just got to the point where it's like, uh, you know, yeah, Georgia needs a running back. And I was like, wait a minute, Georgia needs a tight end. Oscar Delt's not playing that great. And, and you know, they they use three. Um, so, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Milton will be back, you know, soon. And I think having him back, I think a lot of Georgia fans kind of get in their feels about him, his lack of availability sometimes and the injuries. I guarantee you, you're no more frustrated about it than he is. And just kind of get themselves to thinking, well, he's not very good because he plays at – you know, 75% as often as he does because he's always dinged up. But telling you, he's – I went back and uh, I was looking at something today. I was trying to look for a specific formation. And I went back and I watched the uh, the uh, Peach Bowl, and he had a couple of runs in that game that were attitude runs and and good players. So I thought that was – Yeah, against LSU too. Um, Guys, we got to address this. Kirby Smart yesterday at his press conference – I don't know if he was just talking for too long or if he really believes this, but he said that every SEC team should be ranked. Now, he also said that every SEC team can beat you. I agree with one of those two statements. There's no way he really believes that every SEC team should be ranked, right? I know he doesn't care about the rankings. Maybe he doesn't understand how they work fully, but you can't just have every SEC team in the top 25, especially not with Vanderbilt being part of the equation, right? (laughs) I don't think he meant it literally. Um, you know, it, it is a fun kind of hypothetical there because I, I do agree with his comments there that, you know, you, you got to take all 14 of the teams, 13 other teams seriously because that, you know, that he understands the kind of talent that has been built up and the coaching that's at all these schools. And, you know, he understands what, what goes into it day in and day out and understands that, you know, every one of those teams is capable of winning. But that being the case, I, I don't think that he meant it seriously. I don't think he meant that he thinks that, uh, you know, all 20, that, that all 14 of the SEC teams are top 25 teams. I do think he means that he thinks Vanderbilt, you know, who we're throwing out there is the worst SEC team, uh, you know, would have a shot against, you know, say a top 25 I think Fresno State's ranked in the top 25. Throw Vanderbilt against Fresno State, and I, I think that, you know, they would have a shot. So, hell, Kansas State was ranked and and didn't think Missouri would sneak up on them. Look at how that one went. Yeah, they, they more than snuck up on them. I see Matthew C's comment. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Maybe it was some rat poison. He's just trying to hype up every SEC team that Georgia plays into making them believe that they're better than they really are. Uh that's that's the yummy rat poison, right? He learned that from Coach Saban, but that's uh, that that was worth talking about, I think, because it's been all over the internet today. Uh, Kirby said a comment that everyone jumped on. Doesn't really happen too often. I was kind of thinking about that too. Kirby doesn't normally have a comment like that that everybody jumps on in a press conference after a press conference, but it was after Bloody Tuesday. Maybe he was thinking about something else. You know, I'm I'm with him on the fact that you might run into a ranked SEC caliber opponent on any given Saturday. I mean, I, I'm with you there. Like, you know, unranked unranked Auburn um, on on this past Saturday, I think would have given a lot of ranked teams for the money, especially if you give them a couple turnovers. You know, if you turn it over twice in their territory at their place, 
Um, you know, I think SEC teams at home, everybody except for, you know, maybe Vanderbilt and um, but any of these, you know, big time environments, you get them at home. I mean, I think you're you're facing a team that's probably going to be at least a top 30 team in the country, top 35. Um, you know, there's an any given Saturday element to the SEC on the road, especially. Um, but I don't I mean, I, obviously, I don't think that that, you know, Auburn deserves to be ranked. I don't think that Vanderbilt deserves to be ranked. I don't think South Carolina deserves to be ranked is as, as, as you know much as Georgia kind of kept them in that game and the defense kind of you know it gives up you know two full field drives in the first half um to them and shut them out in the second which was awesome um I don't think South Carolina deserves to be ranked I, mean, I don't think there's several teams Mississippi State I don't think is a very good football team um but you tell me I mean you want to go to Starkville in October you know and and think that's going to be easy it's not I mean, it is, it's not. I mean, they put up a fight against Alabama, but even though I don't think they're very good. Um, so I, I think that any of those teams inside of Vanderbilt can absolutely positively, um, you know, give you a scare at home. And you've got to – it's not the aspect of like, okay, if you go in there and play your A game, you're worried. But I'm telling you, if you go in there half-stepping, if you go in there turning it over, if you go in there missing field goals, um, that's why I thought Peyton Woodring hitting those two field goals on Saturday was so massive because – Man, I'm telling you, there would have been a giant sinkhole just to the west of the Georgia border, um, you know, just to the west of Columbus there if he would have missed, you know, either one of those field goals. That place was about to implode. Yeah. Um, and let, he hit them both. So, you let, know. Let me, let me throw out uh, a hypothetical here. Colorado is receiving a vote for the top 25. So, somebody has Colorado ranked. In, in coaches or? In, in or the AP, AP poll. In the AP poll. Would you take Colorado or South Carolina? Where are they playing? Neutral field, neutral site. I don't know what halfway between Boulder and Columbia would be, but I'd probably take South Carolina just because the weakness of South Carolina is that O line, and I don't know if Colorado has the yeah. physicality to to get after um, Rattler like that, and I think he could probably have a, a good day. I think it'd be a pretty good shootout there. Um, that'd be a pick em for me, honestly. I mean, you know, Auburn, Arkansas, hell, I, I mean, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I, I would take those teams and I would, at a neutral site, would give them a decent chance to beat a team that's receiving top 25 votes. Vote. Yeah. Yeah. I, reasonable, a reasonable chance for sure. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, you can say that it's just blind allegiance to the SEC or he's, you know, pumping up the conference and, and it just means more. This season, that's debatable top to bottom whether it just means more to everybody. But, yeah, I mean, there, the portal is the great equalizer this year, more so than it's ever been. And we'll talk about that with Kentucky here in a minute. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe the SEC does get after some teams that think they could just run over the bottom feeders of the SEC and still get surprised. Uh, I think we know what Kirby was saying. Any team can beat you from the conference any given week, specifically in the conference. And we've seen that through two SEC games for Georgia. You got to come with your A game every single week. All right, so let's talk about the Wildcats, guys. Uh, their roster, I'm, I'm looking at their uh, recruiting rankings from the last few years, and it doesn't, you know, doesn't blow you away. How is Mark Stoops getting these guys to play ball so well? The 26 ranked class in 2021. Let's go to 2022. I think they're around 30 something, maybe. 
no, 17, 17th ranked class in, in 2022. You have zero five stars. 2023 class, new guys coming in. A little bit lower, 32. So even within that, we still comment every time we talk about Kentucky. Rusty brings it up a ton. The Wildcats in the secondary, they seem to find these like 6'1", 6'2", DBs that give you a hard time. Their their front seven is sick. And then you factor in the portal, like I just said. Kentucky might have top five best portal class of anybody coming into this season. The quarterback's struggling a little bit. But other than that, man, they, they did dominate Florida. They did push him around. Is it is it – Stoops developing players, or do you think the portal's really finally given him the push over the goal line here to have a dominant football team that he's always envisioned? They evaluate and develop really well, and they recruit real well out of out of Ohio. And I think they recruit. I think they do a really good job of recruiting the premium positions and and getting them and and scheming around them. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm not overly impressed with their defensive backs. I watched you know the Florida game today. Um, I watched some of the Akron game too, and, and a little bit of the Vanderbilt game, and I feel like their defensive backs are a little bit stiff. And and I think that, but but I think that schematic scheme wise, they do a good job of of hiding that. I, I think they do a good job of kind of keeping that in. They, they play really aggressive on defense, and they do a really good job of getting guys who kind of change the game, like Deion Walker. Like, um, you know, Rusty Rusty's higher on in the, than I am because I think he I think they need to put him at nose and leave him at nose. They play him at three technique, and he kind of almost becomes a little bit of a non factor, especially against you know Florida and and, and Vanderbilt. But you put him over the nose, and he's a stud. And you know, Trevin Wallace, a kid from down in uh, um, uh, Jessup. You know, he, I mean, f- fantastic football player. I mean, probably the best football player on that defense. They go and get guys like middle linebackers, like nose tackles that make you strong up the middle. JJ Weaver, all eleven fingers. Um, you know, it, he he does a great job too. I mean, I think he's a really good football player. I'm not like I said, I'm not crazy about their DBs, but and then they coach him up real well. They've got good scheme. Um, Coach White, their their uh, their defensive coordinator has been around a while. He knows. I mean, you know, Stoops is a defensive guy as well. Um, so yeah, they 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 combine like good evaluation, good development. They retain. I know they've lost some guys, but they retain. And then the portal just kind of juices them up in some spots where they can really get you know playmakers. And Ray Davis is a good example of that. Um, you know, Georgia needs to find whatever Vanderbilt did and whatever you know, uh, the directional Kentucky school they played, Eastern Kentucky, I think it was, they figure out what they did and, and not what Florida did because Florida had no chance of stopping the guy. Yeah, um, part of part of what I wondered about some of those early games where Kentucky struggled against some of those directional schools was are these portal players just taking a minute to gel with their new team? And is Georgia catching Kentucky on the rise up or are they going to catch Kentucky? Was Florida the moment where they put it all together? And I think we'll find that out on Saturday. Yeah. You shouted out Dylan Ray in one of your pieces too, Jake. I think and one of maybe I'm mistaken uh, on on the O line. Maybe that's the wrong guy. I do not recall. I do not know much about Dylan Ray. Twenty six players that twenty six players that Kentucky took from either JUCO or the transfer portal. um, Just by a quick count here, Um, you know, obviously some playmakers there. and and I do think that their front seven um, has been a strength over the last couple of years and remains a strength for them there. Um, 
you know, very curious to see what um, how how Georgia goes about trying to attack Ray Davis and and stop the run there. Um, you know, because like you said, Florida zero success there. Um, but you know, other schools now Vanderbilt had a pretty good scouting report on Ray Davis, um, considering the fact that he played for them. Um, right. Yeah. So, you know, how does that factor in? I'm not sure, but like you said, Eastern Kentucky didn't seem to have too much trouble with uh, him either, but you know, he, he's a talented running back. I mean, Kirby compared him to Deandre Swift. Um, You know, again, is that Kirby hyperbole? Um, Probably, but um, you know, I, I think that there are some talented players and, you look at some of the schools that they've taken kids out of the transfer portal from, it's not, I mean, it's power five programs. I mean, NC state, Vanderbilt, Ohio state, North Carolina, Alabama, um, you know, Wake Forest, they've Michigan state. They've got programs that play Cal, you know, high level, high competition football. These kids aren't coming in and, and, you know, having to learn, you know, what it's like to play a, a, an SEC caliber team because, um, you know, because and in some cases they've played it already. Ray Davis was a really good running back at Vanderbilt and, and Kentucky, you know, took him and, and said, you know, Hey, we want you to come be a really good running back just North uh, of Nashville. So well, he's, he's a grown man. He looks like a high school principal in this photo. Yeah. Here. yeah. Let's talk so, about, um, Leary really quick before you chop some wood. What did you see from Leary watching film, Jake? Got a little bit of a wind-up delivery. Um, somebody commented on the board that that his kind of injuries that he dealt with from last year have kind of caused him to change some mechanics. Um, Florida, man, I will say this. <laughs> Sometimes when you're on the road like Florida was on Saturday, you're playing a good team, playing a team playing well, you get a couple opportunities to stay in the game. They dropped a pick. Um, that would have been a pick six. I mean, hit the guy right in the hands, and, and he jumped the route because Leary's elongated delivery. And then, you know, they they hit a pass that I that I noted next is an O's that, you know, I think Georgia can have some success with as Kentucky plays some zone. Um, but, but you know, looking at Leary, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that he might be kind of the transfer portal edition of the offseason for the SEC. I thought he might be the guy. Um, and it just doesn't seem like he's healthy yet, and he's he struggled a lot. I mean, Kentucky's not very good on third down offensively, and they are pretty bad on on third down defensively. And uh, you know, I think he is one half of that equation. Just kind of the struggles throwing the ball, and um, you know, if those two receivers aren't a hundred percent or aren't healthy enough to play, then then Kentucky might be in some trouble. Who has been the transfer portal addition in the SEC? Is it is it Ray Davis? I mean, he'd have to be up there. I, I so can't. Far. I can't. Can't really think of all of them. Um, it's just, definitely not Graham Mertz. I mean, uh, two hundred and eighty yards rushing. I think that puts you puts you in the catbird seat for yeah, right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I can't. I'm having a hard time thinking about who has been added. Um, just like right off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, you know, just just scrolling through the on three transfer portal rankings. That's Ray Davis. None of these really stand out. Dante Thornton's been banged up at Tennessee, wide receiver there. Um, obviously, the Georgia's pair of wide receivers, 
I would say Davis has been productive and very much needed, but not yep. really, not really huge parts of the offense yet. I mean, they're, I mean, the word on both of them is they're still trying to catch up and learn it. So yeah, to me, I mean, it is Ray Davis, and um, so certainly it's good to see how Georgia between the hedges in that night game, man. Pumped yeah. for that. Uh, let's chop some wood, guys. I will start, and I will take the Mark Rick chopping wood. Y'all can have it too if you want to. But that was so cool to see him on Monday up there at the podium again with Kirby Smart, with his granddaughter, announcing the uh, Chick-fil-A Dog Bowl 2023. Paul wrote a story about it. You can check out the link for that uh, as Coach Richt is having a pretty cool bowling fundraiser event uh, with some Georgia players involved. They will have the opportunity to win a title belt that will not get them in trouble with the NCAA uh, as they try to provide some money for uh, Parkinson's and Crohn's disease research. But outside of all that and, and how cool that, you know, opportunity is for Coach Richt uh, and how amazing it is to see him giving back to this uh, or still being a part of this Georgia community, I just thought it was awesome to see him back there with Kirby Smart and seeing how things have come full circle. And obviously, you know, we're hoping that Coach Rick can continue to pursue all the health care that he needs and uh, to get right and and be in a good state of mind. And he still has the zingers, man. So just to see those two uh, pillars of Georgia football, say what you will about Coach Rick's career at Georgia. He still loves the dogs, loves this community, loves this town. And that, to me, was the coolest part. And obviously, chopping wood about everything that Coach Rick has going on with this fundraiser. Y'all definitely need to check that out and support it if you can. But uh, great, great to see Coach Rick back with some red and black on. Jake, I'll let you try to follow that up. <laughs> well, chopping wood, I'm going to tomahawk chop some wood, first of all. It's the last time we get to be on the show before the Braves start playoffs. I'm excited. Go play hard, fellas. I'm not holding anything against you. Thanks for what was 162. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I know they're, I know they'll be out there, you know, getting giving it all they got. It looks like it's probably going to be the Phillies. I don't know. Uh, there's only game two of that tonight. But, uh, you know, we're an hour underway. I hadn't looked at a score yet. But um, just really excited about the playoffs. 2-0. Phillies. 2-0? Yeah. Yeah. Phillies. It's going to be Braves, Phillies. Nothing makes me feel more alive than playoff baseball. Um, I, I love it so much. I'm also going to chop wood on uh, – and, and, Matthew, see, this has nothing to do with you, so don't get an inflated sense of self here. Um, I'm chopping wood on Mike Bobo because Aaron Murray broke it down last week um, – or, not sorry, a couple days ago – the, the call that kind of got George into the end zone to beat Auburn. And it was something that Georgia kind of went to a couple of times late in that game. Um, listen, I, I, th I think Georgia, I really do feel like Georgia is finding a stride offensively with Carson Beck, with Mike Bobo. Trent Dilfer said it years ago. I was listening to him talk about it. And I don't even think it was on a radio show. I think it was a, a video from a coach's clinic where Trent Dilfer was talking about the most important thing for an offense, the most important thing, is for an offensive coordinator and a quarterback to kind of share, a, you know, Venn diagram, a little intersection of the brain. And I think this taking some time for Beck and, and Bobo to get there. I think you're starting to see Beck let it rip a little bit more. You know, his his attempts beyond 10 yards kind of ticked up against South Carolina. I'm sorry, against Auburn. Um, I, I, I'm expecting this offense to kind of trend up, you know, here going into the bye week. And uh, for Georgia to kind of get there, and and I, th and I think it's at a perfect time. Georgia's starting to get healthy. That's another reason I expect it to, to to kind of you know trend up, both at running back and both at wide receiver. I think if they could kind of hold the line and get Amarius Mims back and kind of get it 
all back together. Um, I think this is Georgia's got a chance to be playing its best ball at the best time. Um, and and listen, there's no shortage of doubt out there right now. I've listened to everybody, you know, Joel Clapp, Todd McShay, Ryan Rosillo. It doesn't matter. Everybody's kind of doubting this team right now. And hey, they they've earned that. They've earned that by slow starts and turnovers and and looking sloppy. Um, so go earn. You know, go earn the love that you that you'll get if you start, you know, playing to your, you know, to your capability and beating up on teams too. And I think Bobo and the office are going to have a lot to do with that. I will chop wood about the other half of why Georgia, you know, why some folks are probably down on Georgia right now, and that's the defense and the run defense in particular. Um, they've got an opportunity for redemption on Saturday. Um, obviously. You know, talking about Ray Davis, it's a big challenge, and, and being the ICC's leading rusher coming into Athens. Um, Georgia has typically responded to these challenges pretty well. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I mean, I struggle to think of specifics, but I want to say there have been several times where Georgia has had a running back come in very hyped up, um, you know, and, and, and Georgia has, you know, largely limited their impact. Um, again, I'm, I'm really drawing a blank on specifics. I want to say Arkansas had somebody a couple of years ago that, that was pretty high up. Um, Rocket Sanders was there. Um, you know, but point being here, Georgia's run defense has a big opportunity for redemption. It is part of their identity, part of what this team, you know, prides itself on. Being able to run the ball is something that Kentucky prides itself on. Being able to stop the run is something that Georgia prides itself on. And so, you know, you're going to see strength on strength, pride on pride. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I've got a lot of faith in, in Georgia's ability to bounce back um, from, you know, again, what was not a great day. Um, but like Kirby said, going back, watching it, um, you know, probably not as bad as you, you thought. If you can, you know, contain it a little bit more, um, keep it between the tackles, you know, they, they were pretty solid there. Uh, if you can make some plays out on the edges and, and fit properly, you know, you bottle up a run game a lot more. Rhett Womack pointing out that uh, it's like baseball matters who gets hot at the right time. And Georgia's certainly not as hot as we think it can be yet. So maybe that's a good sign. Y'all head over to uh, dogshq.com. We still have a $1 for one month trial run if you're not a premium member over there to check us out on our uh, breakdowns. Great analysis from both of these guys this week uh, and a ton of recruiting news as well as the dogs have some visitors coming for a huge game under the lights. I mean, gosh, how can you not be excited about that one? So check out dogshq.com and uh, read all the premium stuff we got going on outside of this show. The show's great too. Hit like and subscribe on it. Whether you're listening or watching, it's some great feedback for us. Leave us a comment and a review as well. And we will see you Saturday night after Georgia's game against Kentucky. Y'all have a great weekend.